Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Today, we are talking about James 3, 13 through 4, 12, and the benefits of steadfast wisdom. Joining Amber and me today are Caitlin McNair, Women's Director at MCO, Medical Campus Outreach, for those of you who aren't a part of the First Perez community, and Jennifer Joseph, local artist and homeschool mom. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. So glad to have you here with us today. And we're glad to be here. We are glad to have you all. Would you both please introduce yourselves and answer our favorite question of the day, which is, what is one of your favorite current songs or musical artists? Well, my name is Caitlin McNair, like Vanessa said, and I work for Medical Campus Outreach as the Women's Director, and I am from Augusta, and I am single, and I will love to answer your question with a very unexpected answer as a 33-year-old, but my favorite artist would be the band that's currently on hiatus, not broken up, but One Direction, which is a British boy band (laughs) with one Irish member. A British nice. boy band with one Irish member? Yes, yeah. <laughs> How old is this British boy band? Oh, you have to know One Direction, Amber. Sing a song. <laughs> <laughs> I'll know it if you sing nice. something. So they got together in 20, um, 2010, but they took a hiatus in 2016. So Okay. Yeah, my kids liked One Direction. Yeah. yeah. Everybody likes One Direction. You introduced my kids to One Direction. Mm-hmm. It shows what I know. I'm Jennifer Joseph. I'm married to my husband, Taylor, and we have five children, and um, we homeschool. And my favorite song, I feel like it's kind of unexpected maybe too, because my kids DJ 99% of the time, and I sort of feel like I don't have favorites, but I started thinking the one song that I continually request is um, Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud. Oh, yeah. I love that. Which I really love because I love the idea of like going the distance, but also my husband's grandparents are elderly and my grandfather and his wife are also like in their late eighties, early nineties and seeing them with their, you know, hands not working the way they used to, they have aged, they're on walkers and they're care for each other. I don't know. It just, that song has very personal encouragement to me. I love it. I love that. Right now, my sweet Chelsea is studying the Harlem Renaissance at school. So the twenties and the thirties and uh, sort of a revival uh, in Harlem and New York City area. And so we've been listening to lots of Harlem Renaissance artists, Dizzy Gillespie, Ethel Waters, uh, Stormy Weather. And so uh, that's been just really enjoyable because I, Marcus and I have visited, my husband and I have visited Harlem and we've seen like the old Cotton Club. And so to be able to actually visualize what that might have looked like and to hear the music uh, it's it's just pretty, it's been pretty fun, kind of a, a fun retreat that we've been doing that as we go for walks lately. As you go for walks, you're listening? Yeah, so we share we share earpods, airpods. Oh, that's so, great. I love that. We'll share airpods so we can listen to the same thing while we walk yeah. and uh, listen to Har- Harlem Renaissance music. All right, well, you've made my reply perfect because um, I was thinking that I sometimes feel like when people are talking about music that I'm with you know, wine connoisseurs and they're talking about, you know, their favorite variety of wine or whatever and I'm the one saying that I like two buck chuck from Trader Joe's because whenever I talk about music I like well I'm going to say I like popular music but I just obviously didn't know who One Direction was so maybe that disqualifies me from that (laughs) statement but I will say that I like the playlist on Amazon entitled Today's Hits and I like to jam out to them in my car and I like to do it with my kiddos 
and we get a big kick out of that. But I am kind of picky about the lyrics, and so we'll be going along, and it drives my boys nuts that I'll turn it off and say, now, did you hear what they said? Do you think that that's true? Do you like it? And they're like, Mom, we're just listening to the, the beat, you know, whatever. So sometimes I'll do that when I'm teaching a fitness class, too. If it's just this terrible song, I just can't stand for people to think that I just think this is okay. So I'll say, now, listen, you know, this is a great song, but if you're listening to the lyrics, they just kind of look at me with these wide eyes like, what are you talking about, lady? But uh, the other day I did that because we were listening to that song, Freedom by Pitbull. And he talks about his his course is basically I'm free to do what I want and to have a good time. Hmm. Feel free to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. That's the definition of a good time. And it just stuck out to me because it's completely, that's the wisdom of today. Mm-hmm. But it's completely opposite to the wisdom that James is talking about right. here in our passage. Right. You know, James wants his readers to know that if we let our passions, if they let their passions free, that they'll destroy them, that they'll control them, and they'll destroy everyone around them. He warns against against masking those passions, this type of um, unleashed passions under false claims of wisdom that promote self, oppose God, and judge others. And instead, he offers a true and life-giving freedom, that of humbling ourselves before God and letting him exalt us. So it's where James is going in this passage. Vanessa, what stood out to you as you read these verses? Yeah, I, I think just kind of the continuity of his message. He keeps hammering home to us the relationship between what we believe and how we are to behave. And he won't allow us to get out from under that message. He right. keeps that before us. And I think, let's see, in verse um, yeah, in verse 8 of chapter 4, he makes a statement that seems pretty harsh. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It remains in alignment with what he's been saying to us that what's in your heart and what you do, your behavior as what, what, and what you believe um, have to be aligned. And, and James doesn't allow us to squirm our ways out from under that. It becomes uncomfortable. He says some things that seem pretty hard. So I think that stands out to me, that, that continuity of his mm-hmm. message mm-hmm. Uh, remains. But also in that continuity of message, what remains also in that same verse, he starts that verse by saying, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. And he allows us to know that with all of these imperatives I'm giving you, there's no way you can do them in your strength. So you have to draw upon the Lord's strength to do that. Yeah. James is very consistent with doing those two things, Vanessa. And in this portion, he's focusing on wisdom. And it stuck out to me the contrast that he puts between the wisdom that comes from above that we saw in chapter one, where he's talking about it's the wisdom that God gives us that comes freely to anyone who asks. And then wisdom that would be what he says is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So those two are so far apart. It just struck me that they really can't be held together at all. We can't combine our earthly wisdom and God's wisdom and get some sort of mix. We really need um, that wisdom that comes from outside of ourselves. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I also love that in James, he is very obviously sounding like his big brother to me. Yeah. He sounds like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in a, in a few points, where he talks about where he's charging them with adultery. When Jesus says you can't serve God and man uh, or God and money, I think Jesus says. But what he's talking about is idolatry and an idolatrous heart. And James is coming right after our idolatry. Mm-hmm. And just like Jesus did in, on the Sermon on the Mount and in a few other places. And so I hear the words of Christ and I hear the heart of Christ um, showing up clearly in yeah. James' words. 
Yeah. Or how jealous God is for the spirit that he places in us. Yes. And how that goes hand to hand with he loves us. He's committed himself. He's bonded himself to us. And he's jealous for that connection. And then when our passions war against that covenant that we have with him, Mm -hmm. the fact that we belong to him, uh, that we are um, submitted ourselves to him in relationship, our passions get out of line when they want to buck that. They want to step outside of that and pursue pleasures with, with no limitations. And I think those are the type of pleasures James talking about here is that sort of hedonistic mm-hmm. pursuing after the good things in life completely for self uh, with no limits, absolute indulgence. And that's where he's saying to do that is going to cause all sorts. It's going to wreak all sorts of havoc in yourself and in relationships to other people as well. Absolutely. And even in his style of asking, I love that it reflects and it mirrors the teaching style of Christ in so many situations, we see Christ asking people questions. And often they were rhetorical questions that he knew they didn't have an answer for, but it was a a style, it was a teaching style to ask the questions so that he could teach something. And James poses several rhetorical questions for us to consider in this passage. So I'd like for us to wrestle with what he asks a bit. So let's talk about some of those questions. One of the things that James asks us in this passage is, what causes fights and quarrels among you? So let's talk about that. What causes fights and quarrels among us? I think that just seeing it in the scripture, um, just astounding how um, quick we are to Um, be motivated by selfish ambition or envy or um, bitterness, as we see in chapter three. But for me, as I have thought about this question in my own life and what my conflict style is and what causes the most fights that I get into is that I'm conflict averse. So my style is more in my head. I uh, will have my expectations not met and it causes me to be resentful or passive aggressive causes me to be self-righteous or bitter. Um, And my selfishness and pridefulness comes out instead of giving people the benefit of the doubt or being gracious or being patient or even being wise as what y'all were alluding to in regards to wisdom from above and being considerate or submissive or full of mercy. And a lot of times what causes arguments is people playing the comparison games or trying to justify their actions by the actions of other people. Absolutely. Uh, As I thought about this, it made me think about the blessing that we have every Sunday when we all as a church body get to kneel down and have that time of confession. And for the last several years, when we kneel down and begin to pray, the Holy Spirit consistently has convicted me of my own self-love. And as I contemplated on the quarrels that we have, that I have been part of in our family with friends, that kind of thing, it really boils down to my love of self, my love of my ease, of my pleasures, of me, 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 just what makes my life easy, Mm. what fulfills me, what's my perception of fair in the moment. Even right down to when Taylor and I are talking through how to discipline a child over something, I I will quarrel because I'm angry that the discipline that we settle on is going to make my life more difficult. Mm -hmm. So just that self-consumed love of what I think I want to have and need to have. Yeah, and sometimes it's wrapped up in something that seems good to us, like the idea of, well, I think this is a good form of discipline, or I think this thing is good to do, or 
whatever else it may be, it might not be so blatant as to say, well, I really want to sit on the couch and eat potato chips. Thank you. So we're <laughs> going to get in a big fight about that. But even the things that we might see as good and right behind them, at least for me, are oftentimes mixed in those same type of selfish ambition, pride, jealousy for other things, motives. When I started thinking about the conflicts I have, my husband, John, always says to me that he knows when I get angry or get loud that I'm insecure is what he'll say. And he, it's like he's touched on a point in my life, either by something that he said or hasn't said, something he's done or he hasn't done, that then somehow I interpret that as I'm not enough. And if I feel like I'm not enough, then I will come out verbally swinging sort of in a self-protective mm -hmm. type of I need to elevate myself in some way here because I'm feeling like I'm lacking. And, you know, when I only when I only call it insecurity, I mean, it is true that I'm insecure. My foundation is obviously shaky and I feel it. That's why I'm wanting to fight. When I only call it insecurity, I don't generally repent. I generally feel bad for myself. But when I know that that insecurity and pride are combined together, then it, it helps me to think, you know, I guess when James was saying your passions war against war inside of you. And I thought, you know, it's my passions war against the idea that I am somebody in Christ. I am somebody as God has created me to be, but it's saying, but that's not enough. I don't want just want that. I want whatever that other thing is that makes me feel like I'm, I'm enough. And when I can acknowledge that and see that and say, Lord, that's pride. I don't want to be content with who I am under your hand. I want to be something else. I want to be enough in whatever way I think I want to be or other people think I want to be. And so that, that has, has just struck me that when I start to fight, there, it's an indicator of, like we, we're saying, those desires warring against something that the Lord has already given and, and, and blessed me with. You know, we, um, when we find ourselves struggling with selfish ambition or jealousy or pride or things of the like, we do fight with one another, even in the church. Uh, I know that can oftentimes be discouraging. And um, we fight, and then we also make some pretty big judgment calls on one another. Mm -hmm. And so James follows up his warning about the quarrels and fights that come and with this statement of, who are you to judge your brother or sister? What did you all think about that question as you studied that? I think the biggest thing for me that I saw is that I have to reflect on the fact that I have nothing to offer and that I have to, like going on in verse seven, submit myself to the Lord and resist the devil because it is my propensity to judge or to discriminate. And I think that in this current season of my life, I feel like I've been more aware of my sin than any other season of my life. And I think that realizing that I am a hot mess express, mm -hmm. it allows me to see that I have no reason to judge any of um, those among me because I really am a sinner in need of such grace. And because knowing the depth of my sin and the awareness of that sin, it's caused me to really cling to the Lord in a new way. But also I feel like I can extend grace more freely mm -hmm. And it's just helped me to not cast judgments, to give the benefit of the doubt, and to try to be more gracious because I'm understanding that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more in a real and visceral way for the first time in a long time. That type of judgment that you're talking about is often born out of this lack of wisdom that James is talking about. Mm-hmm. 
and then your ability to see who the real judge is and, and that he's the one that judges us and saves us. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned both of those things in combination and your awareness of both of them allows you to be like, and I'm neither one of them, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not judge and I'm not savior. And, um, that I can offer the grace that I've been given and refrain from judgment. That's not mine to give. And I know what you mean about there's just sometimes in life, you said hot mess express. When <laughs> right. we're on the hot mess express, it's, that's easier to do. It's easier to do. Absolutely. Well, I think it's interesting that James places this right in the middle of addressing so much pride mm-hmm. that he sees in the church. And when I initially was thinking about this, I thought, oh yeah, they were, they were prideful. And then I realized I'm really otherizing this. I, mm and prideful. And as I started reading this, and then I was reading in Matthew 7 about take the log out of your own eye before you point out the speck in your brother's eye, and just wrestling with not judging. So so judging carries that connotation of condemnation, you know, of condemning someone, pronouncing them guilty, and that mm-hmm. we are not God, and we do not know hearts, and we are not above the law. And so we cannot convict on the basis of the law as brothers and sisters in Christ, but we do have a responsibility to come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ when we see them transgressing and to encourage them on the basis of Scripture, not from a judgmental perspective, but a, I love you. I see this in your life. This does not seem like it is God's best for you. How can I, how can I encourage you? Let's look at what the Word says together kind of thing. And it reminded me of a time years ago when a friend of mine and I had both been wounded deeply by the same person. And We began to talk about it, and our conversation really devolved, and we just exalted ourselves, talked about how terrible this woman had been, and I left the conversation feeling very justified that my hurt and my bitterness and my anger were totally reasonable under the circumstances, and a few days later, there was a knock on my front door, and I opened the door, and my friend that I had been, you know, bad-mouthing this mutual friend with was standing at the door with a tin of those Pepperidge Farm pirouette cookies, And she had taped the scripture out of Proverbs about he who repeats a matter separates close friends, Mm. but a wise man holds his tongue. And that was such a sweet example to me of being like having a friend pull the log out of her own eye, come to me and say, we have transgressed in this area. We've Mm. dishonored the Lord. We've dishonored a sister in Christ. We're causing, you know, Mm. fraction in our relationship and for her to lovingly confront me, but not judge me. Wow, what a sweet and thoughtful way to enter into that. Yeah, every time that I see those Pepperidge Farm pirouette cookies, <laughs> I think about that and her knocking on that door and just the sweetness of being corrected in love um, just from a sister who genuinely cared about my heart uh, was a beautiful thing. Wow, now that's wisdom from above. <laughs> that's a beautiful expression of that. That humility that James is talking about and that kind of love doesn't allow for the type of judgment uh, of our brother and sister, of our neighbor, that um, hateful, um, self-centered type of judgment where we're pronouncing, uh, as you said, Jennifer, uh, we're convicting people of sin. That's not our right. We're not the righteous judge. We don't get to do that. And so reminding myself that my heart posture towards my neighbor is to be love. It is to be love. It is to love my neighbor well. very much changes, and that affects how um, I think about interacting with my neighbor. If that is indeed the heart posture that we're being called to, love love seeks to understand. James talks about uh, a humility and a wisdom that stays open to reason, and he said that's a, that's a mark of godly wisdom. It stays open to reason. 
So then he asks us the question, who is wise and understanding among you? So let's deal with that a little bit. Who is wise and understanding among us? James follows that up by saying, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And when I wrestled with that question, uh, the person who kept coming to mind was or is my husband. And when I thought about who is wise and understanding, let their works show that. And I thought about Taylor having applied himself to knowing God's word, the years that he has spent memorizing God's word, studying it, familiarizing himself with it and his willingness to submit himself to the Lord. And that has been a beautiful thing for our family. Uh, I have watched him repent and be broken and weep over his own sin, over the effects of sin on our family at large. And I will never forget about seven years into marriage, we were in a really, really hard, ugly place. And we were really just tearing each other apart with our words and actions. And one night he looked at me and he reached over and took my hand and he said, why don't we stop fighting with each other and grab hands and run to the cross together? And that to me is a beautiful illustration Mm. of godly character and of being wise and understanding. And um, I have really appreciated the peaceable way that he has approached relational conflict. I mean, He's not perfect. It's not all, you know, unicorns and rainbows by any means, but it is a beautiful thing to be close, to have a husband who loves God's word and has feasted on it and is willing to stand on scripture alone. Um, He has worked really hard to help me and to help our children understand the world in light of scripture instead of understanding scripture in light of the world. And Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that he, he just continually came to mind as I thought through those answers. What an important relationship between truth and how we see the world, not trying to make sense of the word based on what we see in the world, um, mm-hmm. but allowing scripture to be the authoritative lens through which we see the world is such a powerful, powerful uh, apologetic to others who are watching. So that's amazing. I love Thank that. And, and I love the fact that when you're laying in bed like, and he reaches out to take your hand, it just made me think of what James was saying about resist the devil and he'll mm-hmm. flee from you and how so often we resist one another, uh, but we don't fight Uh, the evil one who would seek to separate us. And so I love that description. That's just a real practical and beautiful way of resisting and fighting. Thank you. Um, For me, three people came to mind. So the first one would be my best friend, Anna. And she and I have been best friends since kindergarten. And like what Jennifer was saying, Anna just knows the word, prioritizes speaking truth. But she's also known me for so long. She knows me better than I know myself. And with a friendship that deep and that rich, she does not um, hesitate to speak truth to me or to call me out for things. And um, I've tangibly felt her prayers throughout multiple seasons of my life. So I know that she's interceding for me before the throne of grace. And that's just really special. And the next would be Angie Horn. Um, She is, I'm very blessed because she is also my neighbor and she (laughs) has had my job before I did. So she is a mentor because she's a few steps ahead of me, but she's walked through a lot of hard seasons herself and she's done so faithfully and she speaks truth and um, she will speak from the word so confidently because she knows it and Mm -hmm. it has been driven further and further down into her heart and she believes it. And after you spend time with her, It feels like that you've spent time with Jesus, and it really is such a blessing to be friends with her. And then um, Jennifer doesn't know that I'm going to say this, but the third one was her. 
mm-hmm. um, that came to mind because throughout um, the last few years that I've known her, I have been very thankful just to see how committed she is to prayer and how many times she's reached out to me and even prayed with me over the phone or texted me that she's prayed for me. And I think that that is just a a pinnacle representation of godly wisdom because it does not come out of her own strength, but it comes out of her relationship and walk with the Lord and just that she is consistently wise because she is refreshingly honest and she is very gracious. So those would be my three. Thanks, Caitlin. (laughs) Love those. Um, Mine is similar to what y'all are saying and I'm enjoying Jennifer, you mentioned Taylor and um, I was going to say, I'm just enjoying nodding my head along with y'all and thinking Mm -hmm. what a blessing it is to have a husband who is wise, to have sweet friends at different stages of life in different ways that are wise and, and what really beauty and joy and peacefulness that does bring just to see what James is saying uh, personified in those examples y'all are given. I love that. Um, Jennifer, uh, my husband, John is in a, in a similar way, wise. And I just think in, um, he just thinks the best of people intentionally and desires to want to bring about their good, even mm-hmm. at a cost to himself. When I'm in my mind making arguments about this, that, and the other thing, he's thinking, what can I do in order to encourage or um, speak something that brings peace or unity here. And he's been a great example to me of that. And then the other one, a friend I have, uh, her name is Julie Thompson, and she lives in England. And she is on a Voxer with three of us other ladies here from First Pres. And and she is a little bit ahead of us in life stages. And she has, I admire her marriage. I admire the way she parents. I admire her commitment to the word. I admire all these wonderful things. And oftentimes when we're leaving Voxers, We'll leave, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think sometimes I'll think, man, Julie, you got to say something about that because we are obviously wrong. I can't believe, you know, we said that. But she has that sweet, gracious way of entering into a hardship, entering into a struggle, Mm -hmm. allowing you to see her weak points, and yet saying truth in a way that you know she's on your side. And But saying it in sometimes in a convicting way that Mm -hmm. I need to hear that as a mama or I need to hear that as a wife but never in a condemning way, always in a, I'm for you, I'm with you, I'm with you together in the Lord. I struggle too, but we are pushing forward towards truth. And it's, it's a gift to have somebody give you that type of wisdom in your life. I'm grateful for it. That's so incredibly beautiful to know that there are women in your lives and in our lives that exemplify that type of truth, that type of godly wisdom that produces righteousness and, and beauty and connection. Um, I loved Amber's statement earlier about the the relationship between peace and this godly wisdom. We see the fruit of um, earthly wisdom as being disorder and vile practices. Uh, it's it's dissension, but the fruit of godly wisdom is peace. James says in three seventeen that, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Lord, let such wisdom be named among us. Amen. Amen. And with that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us again next week. Let us keep you company while you prep meals for the week or take us on the treadmill at the gym. We will be joined by Marianne Wilkie and Amanda LaDuke, two women who have entered into the good work of fostering and adoption in beautiful ways. 
Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of shining to cheer it after the rain. 